This is Bob Rourke with Business Leaders Podcast, and today we're incredibly fortunate. We have Jessica Merring in today. She's the CEO and senior copywriter of Horizon Peak Consulting. That's me. That's you. <laughs> Thanks so much for taking time. We have a nice, brisk day in Colorado. It was minus two the other morning, and remind you to wear a coat and gloves. Yeah, you don't forget that when you step outside the door. <laughs> Not more than once. Not more than <laughs> once. Well, Jessica, thanks for coming on the show. Tell us a little bit about your business and who you serve. Yeah, sure. I write uh, marketing content for IT, software, and tech companies. I actually work with small and medium businesses and enterprise, which uh, might seem like they have totally different needs, but actually they have very similar needs when it comes to marketing content and expressing their expertise in a way that aligns with the brand and still uh, connects with the audience. You know, for folks, are, they're going like, uh, uh, I'm lost. <laughs> and so, um, so an IT company, what would be a prototypical uh, client of yours without disclosing necessarily who they are, but who would be that customer? For IT, I, I work with a lot of IT services uh -huh. companies, so they're actually helping businesses with their IT setups. Okay. And I write a lot of white papers for those folks, blog posts, some ebooks, infographics, guides, everything that helps them explain what they do to their customers mm -hmm. in a way that actually makes sense <laughs> and connects emotionally and, uh, and helps them make sales, too. Well, you know, I, I think about the commentary about some of the, the folks in the tech space, mm -hmm. you know, uh, really, really good at what they do, mm -hmm. really not necessarily that good communicating. So for you, um, let's say that I'm in the IT space, I have uh, an app or software as a service, and when I reach out to you, what's the process that you go through to try to help understand and craft the message? We talk. <laughs> we have very in-depth conversations up front to make sure we're aligned on the goals for the company and their goals for the project. So, you know, a lot of copywriters will just, they have set packages and they have kind of you know, spitball rates that they'll throw at people. I try to have deeper conversations initially to make sure we're 100% in alignment before a proposal even happens. Oh, just, I want to interrupt just a second. Mm -hmm. Why is that? Because there's just this huge disconnect, I think, between these really brilliant technicians, these really brilliant engineers and developers and founders and their audience. And I'm trying to help bridge that gap. And there's too many copywriters out there who just want to put words on a page and not bridge that gap while they're at it. If you're not bridging that gap, you're not helping the company. The company is wasting money with a copywriter, and the copywriter is really wasting their time with a customer who's probably not going to recommend them or be a good case study. So I try to have a lot of that relationship building up front to really bridge that gap right away. You know, I, I think about that as so when you have a client show up and, you know, and a lot of engineers are, God love them, engineers. Mm -hmm. You know, we have this great solution, all right, and, and we're trying to take our solution to somebody's pain point and create a sale. And for you, between the engineer, their product, and their potential customer, 
What does that process look like to you as you're trying to go through discovery? In discovery, I'm, I'm really discovering two things. I'm discovering the company and I'm discovering the customer. Mm-hmm. So in discovering the company, I can become a better partner and I can help them meet their business goals because I understand what their business goals are. But most importantly, I want to get to know their customers because that's who we're speaking to. That's my main focus. And that's why I have to build such a great relationship with the company up front because every company does this. They want their messaging up front. They want their voice up front. I don't want to say it's an ego thing, but it kind of is an ego thing. Whereas if you actually want to connect with your audience, you have to speak the audience's language. So I want to get to know the customer. I want to get to know who they are, what they need, what language they're speaking. So when I'm writing for the company, I'm writing in the customer's voice in a way that aligns with the company and gets them toward their goal. Okay, so for case in point, let's say I'm the ABC software guy, and Mm -hmm. I just wrote a piece of software, and I go, I think it's going to serve this particular customer base. How do you talk to their potential customer base to, to hear their voice? I talk to their customers. Often companies already have a lot of customer feedback. They've been interviewing happy customers. They've been surveying. They've been you know, maybe doing some user testing. And so I'll have that feedback to mine for insights and to mine for language. If they don't have that, then I want to go get it. I'm going to interview their customers. I'm going to help the company craft surveys to gather customer insight. But I actually want to get real customer words mm-hmm for the project. That's how we connect with the customer. You know, going to go back a little bit. <laughs> this is not your first rodeo. No. Why don't you explain your your um, journey uh, to this point? Sure. Yeah, it's kind of twisty and windy, as they all are. I fell into copywriting. I really fell into it. Um, fresh out of college, I got a temp job at Compaq Computer Corporation. Yeah, that's that's how long I've been doing this. I was doing, um, it was actually my second temp job at the company, and I was supposed to be doing data entry for their new, one of their new e-commerce stores. Mm-hmm. This is when e-commerce was still very, very new. It was their SMB e-commerce store. And the team lead found out that um, I'm also a writer. You know, I'd been writing little articles and getting published in little magazines all through college. And she said, well, would you consider writing the product copy for the products that we're putting up on the website. And I said, well, what's copy? <laughs> <laughs> Which is a good question right. yet today, yeah. So, so yeah, I, I had to kind of figure out what copy was and specifically what product copywriting was all about. And I, I really learned on the job. And I, I found not only was it really interesting to do, it was really fascinating work. Uh, I loved it. And there was actually a career path for it. So I just, I continued. I was always copywriting in some way or another through my my initial years in the tech industry. You know, Compaq got bought by Hewlett Packard. So I was working for Hewlett Packard for a while. I was working as a consultant for Hewlett Packard through a creative agency. So I had various roles. I was a project manager. I was an account manager. I was a, a content manager. But I was always copywriting and in so, one way or another. And you had... The tech lingo. Well, I was around a lot of techies. Mm-hmm. I was around a lot of developers and engineers and super smart people. So even though I'm not a technician myself, 
I've been around them my entire career. So yeah, I, I pick up the language very quickly and I know how to converse with them. Technicians have a, a very certain personality sometimes and I find that it's actually a really fun personality for me to, to interact with. So and it's so, kind of a natural progression. And so you, you went from that world to starting your own firm. Mm -hmm. And you've been doing this in your firm for how long? Let's see. I started the LLC in 2013. So it's been five years that Horizon Peak has been in existence formally. I was freelancing. I've been freelancing since 2000, um, you know, more and more and more mm -hmm. over the years. So, gosh, we're coming up on 20 years as me working on client projects, even on the side of my official tech employment. You know, I, I think about that time frame and the decision to form your own company. What was that thought process like? Says, I want to take in and do this full time. It was such an easy decision. <laughs> I mean, I, I loved doing what I did for Hewlett Packard, but enterprise technology has changed. The, the world has changed. I didn't feel like I was the perfect fit for it anymore toward the end. Um, and so I felt like I was naturally progressing out of the company to begin with. And I was being presented with all of these opportunities to work with other companies on, on various projects that really excited me. I loved these companies, I loved these projects, but I could only do so much as a freelancer nights and weekends after my day job. Mm -hmm. So the transition, it was a no-brainer for me. Mm -hmm. I had a lot of people that wanted to work with me and I was ready to work with them. So I got laid off actually <laughs> mm -hmm. and it worked out perfectly. I mean, the timing, my manager of course knew that I was interested in eventually mm -hmm. leaving the company. So it wasn't a total surprise that I got laid off. It wasn't like they packed up my box and sent me home. It was kind of planned. You know, I, I think about you know, the experience and mileage that you have now and if you could roll the clock back to where you could offer advice to you with all the experience you have now, when you first started your company, what advice would you offer to yourself? You know, I feel like the path that I took was just the perfect path for me. I learned so much along the way and I built such amazing relationships along the way. I wouldn't change anything that I did, but if I were to give myself advice earlier on, I'd say take my ego out of it earlier. <laughs> how so? I mean, you know, how does, you know, how does that manifest itself? What do you mean? I think all writers kind of suffer from a little bit of ego when it comes to the words that they put on the page. Okay. And that's just natural in our industry. Um, but we also have to be open to our client feedback. And that can be a challenge getting feedback on your words. <laughs> mm -hmm. um, but at the same time, to do our job properly, we need to be listening to the client. Most specifically, though, we need to be listening to the customer. So when I say take my ego out of it, I mean maybe be a little more aggressive about seeking feedback, not just from the client, but from the customers. You know, I measure everything now. That's, I actually take a lot from the conversion copywriter world in how I measure the results of the content that I write for my clients. But I wasn't always that way. Up until, you know, the last several years, it was, well, if the client's happy with the words, I'm happy with the words. But I wasn't necessarily...
tracking the results of them because maybe I was a little bit afraid of of my words not working as well as I thought they did because I had that ego in there. Mm-hmm. So. You know, I was, I was looking at at your website. And there's a couple of testimonials on your website for some people says, we hired you, you did the following, and our revenue was directly attributable to Mm -hmm. what you did. And Because I measure it now. (laughs) I took the ego out and I measure it and I adjust, I iterate. You know, from a frustrated person that buys advertising periodically, you know, and you say, I've got a budget, I'm going to spend X, and I would expect a return on my investment. You know, and, and for you... That seems to be a focal point for your website. What drove you to be that specific about return on investment? I started hanging out with a lot of conversion copywriters and I got converted. Is what happened. <laughs> it worked. It worked. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Conversion copywriting, is, it's a very specific discipline. And it really started with Joanna Weeb at Copy Hackers. She's really the inventor of this discipline. And it, it all starts with data. Mm-hmm. It's a very, very data-driven way of writing copy. Now, while I do write copy, when I say copy, I mainly mean website copy, um, sales page copy. My main focus is marketing content. So mm-hmm. that's the blog posts and the white papers and the ebooks and the infographics and the guides and the workbooks, the, the really relationship-building mm-hmm. assets. That's really my main focus. And there's not a lot of talk about data and numbers and ROI in the content world. So I got to know a lot of conversion copywriters. I got certified in conversion copywriting because it was such a fascinating discipline to me. And I I saw the benefits of measuring. I saw the benefits Mm -hmm. of using data to write copy. And I thought, why isn't anybody doing this in content? Mm -hmm. Businesses are spending money on content the same way they're spending money on website copy. But very few people are measuring that. We're using data to create it in the first place. So I brought that discipline mm-hmm. into the content writing world is what I did. And and that's really how I, I started this whole thing that I do. You know, for the you – know, these people aren't stupid, but they're ignorant. <laughs> I mean, you know, there's a difference. You know, ignorant, they just don't know that they yeah. don't know. Yeah. And so w- when you're working with a potential client and they're used to content versus copy – all right. What do you do to try to educate them about the difference between one and the other? Well, <laughs> I ask them how their existing content is performing. And normally that stops them in their tracks. Because they don't know. Because they haven't been measuring it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. They realize that they've either been spending their personal time writing it or they've been spending their budget on a writer who's been doing the job but they have no idea if it's made sales for them. They have no idea what their customers think of it, how their customers are reacting to it, connecting with it. And so as soon as I start talking about measuring, the conversation shifts. And the reason I brought it up is uh, I've had a number of conversations with people about that. And I think for a lot of the senior leadership, they don't know that they don't know. And I don't know that they even make the distinction between the two. Because, you know, if you say, I have an advertising budget, and you go, well, how's that in relation to my sales? And, you know, I forget what company it was. They looked at some big advertising deal that they had out, and said it basically wasn't converting at all. And, you know, you think about that, and as a business owner, you know, the business owners, 
you know, how much touchy-feely do you need before you make a sale? Yeah. You know, so I applaud you for that. Now, when, <laughs> when you went through and got educated and, and so on, when you completed that education, what was the first aha moment? How did you know that it was effective for you? I started seeing amazing results for my clients. Which if you go to the testimonials page on my website, you'll see those results for yourself. I mean, real numbers, real dollars associated with what I was putting on the page for them. Okay. So before I get too far down the road, <laughs> for folks who are going, that's what I'm looking for. How do I find you? So how do they find you on social media? They can find me at horizonpeakconsulting.com. And, of course, that, that's got all the links to everything on there. Mm -hmm. On social media, you can find me on Twitter at Horizon Peak. Okay. You can find me on LinkedIn using my first and last name, Jessica Maring, or you can go to the Horizon Peak Consulting. And that's M-E-H-R-I-N-G. Yep. <laughs> yeah. yeah. And, you know, and, and I'm a fan of what you do, you know, because I think it's so fascinating. You know, I think about whether it's music, whether it's a well-written book. I mean, there's that certain something that makes you want to listen to the rest of the song <laughs> or something that gets you enthralled with the book mm -hmm. or something that makes you want to read the rest. And that's a gift, in my opinion, to be able to do that well. You know, so, well, shifting gears. I mean, now that I've gone off my fanboy rant there. <laughs> but, you know, so we're going to go through uh, the, the part of the podcast where I get to quiz you to death. All right. Cool. All right. So here we are. What's the most recent book or most influential book that's altered your perception on being a CEO and how you run your business and why? Sure. You know, a recent book that I loved that really influenced me was Never Split the Difference. It was recommended to me by one of my clients, actually. He really loved it. And, and um, we actually used what we learned from the book together for some of his blog posts. It, it really spun up a lot of ideas for us. It's on the surface a book about negotiation. But when you read it, you realize it's actually a book about empathy and connection. So it's, it's changed how I talk to my clients. It's changed how I have sales conversations because so much of the traditional sales negotiation training is about, um, well, you know, control and power dynamics and getting the upper hand. And this book really flipped that on its head and it, it comes at the negotiation process and the sales conversation process from a, a point of empathy. For me, I'm, I'm going like, well, huh. <laughs> you should read it. It'll really get your, your mind going. And the stories in the book are amazing. Huh. And so, you know, for you, maybe what would be helpful. So you read the book, moved by the book, mm. then you talked to either an existing client or a new client. What's the chief thing that you did differently in your presentation to the, that client? I feel like my listening skills have improved. I've always really tried to listen well on on phone calls with clients, prospects. I've, I've really, you know, tried to hone my listening skills, but... I feel like I listen from a different place now. I listen from a more empathetic place. I really try harder to put myself in my client's shoes. Has that changed your copywriting? It probably has. Mm. <laughs> in fact, I'm sure it has. Yeah. Well, you know, it's, it's fun to hear. Uh, that's the first time I've heard that book. Mm. So that's, that's really cool as, an, as a resource. What failure or at the time apparent failure has served you or your company best or set you up for future achievement and why? I started a training company 
a couple years ago. It's called the Content Lab. And I get a lot of questions from copywriters, from business owners, asking you know, specifically how I do what I do. And when I created this company, it was really me trying to kind of consolidate my resources, answer a lot of the questions that I commonly get, um, have a place to put new material that I'm writing about these topics all in one place. And in the world of online marketing, if you're, if you're in online marketing, especially information marketing of any kind, there's this idea of the product launch. And it's this whole process that we're told to go through from uh, you know testing the market, beta testing the, the product, even within ebook, mm-hmm. you're you're beta testing, you're you're getting feedback, you're you're launching in increments. And from that you do the bigger launch and you have the sales sequence, you have the blog posts leading up to the, the opening of the cart, you have the webinars to get people intrigued. You do this whole big launch process and at the end you open the cart and you sell the product and you make a million bucks, right? Mm-hmm. That's what we're, we're told is, is how this whole thing is supposed to work. So for the first product that I sold on the Content Lab website, it was a program actually. It's called Content Chemistry. Mm-hmm. It's iterated a few times since I initially launched it, but I went through the whole big process and it, I mean, it just took immense amounts of, of resources from me, uh, time and money, getting this whole launch up, running, and done. And the product sold. The product sold. But it was exhausting. Mm-hmm. And I, it, the product did not sell nearly as well as I wanted it to. And subsequent launches didn't do mm-hmm. even that well. So I don't want to say it's a total failure. Mm-hmm. I've launched things since and they've been fine, but I realized that this whole idea of the launch didn't work for me mm-hmm. because when I shifted gears and I started working with these copywriters one-on-one and mm-hmm. I started doing quote unquote coaching, even mm-hmm. though I hate that word, everything changed for me. It was easier. My, my clients were getting better results working with me one-on-one. Then they were getting from these products that I was, you know, working them up to buy. And I realized that, you know, even though I'm, I'm probably always going to have products for sale, my time and energy is best spent one-on-one. One-on-one instead of one-to-many. Mm-hmm. You know, it's, it's funny, even in, like for me in the podcasting space, I prefer face-to-face because I can see things that I can't hear. Yeah, I get it. <laughs> you know, well, shifting from that. All right, so if you could put an ad on page one of the local paper sharing your company's message or advice, what would it say and why? The authority that you have spent years building for yourself and your company is worth a lot more than you think it is. feel like people become experts in what they do, and they're just so entrenched in it that they don't realize how impressive it is. They don't realize how other people see them how other people look to them as those experts and, and for advice. And so especially when I'm working with founders, CEOs, business owners, they're a little confused at first when I ask for their opinion on certain topics. Mm-hmm. Like, well, you know, who, who cares what I think about it? Well, the people who hire you or the people who pay for your products care because you're an expert in this. And I'm going to get a unique perspective from you that 
is probably going to be a different, at least a little bit different than the perspective I'm going to get by doing a ton of research on this topic, which I'm going to do anyway. But bringing their authority into the piece, it really it changes the dynamic. In your case, you know, you can identify your authority proposition, for lack of a better term. What is your authority manifestation in your business? <laughs> um, probably exactly my, my elevator pitch, which is marketing content for IT, software, and tech. I happen to be very, very good at writing content that gets results for companies. Do and you think you discount what you know now that you know it? I think I would if I didn't also teach what I know. Because of the content lab, because of, of the relationships I've built through training people in what I do. Mm-hmm. And, and also, you know, bringing on team members, too, who I have to train in my methodologies. Having to talk about what I do, how I do it, why I do it, the results that I intend to achieve by what I do, um, it, it kind of forces the authority forward, I think. <laughs> do you think that's changed your skill sets by teaching? I'm sure it has. Yeah, it's certainly it's certainly clarified my methodologies, which I think any creative profession, writing included, um, can be a very intuitive thing. We feel like it, it. We just know what to do. We just know what to write. But if you've been doing this a long time and you you have certain processes that you follow to get results, you're building a methodology. And it can be kind of hard to see that in the day-to-day intuitive thing that we do. So having to, yeah, having to train other people to do what I do, um, it really, it brought the methodologies to the forefront. I'm like, oh, I, I have a system. I actually, I have step one, step two, step three that I do. And I can write it down and I can give instructions and I can teach other people how to do this. And I don't know if you've had the moment, but many that are in the space, they'll run into a block or this, it's just not coming. What do you do when it's not coming for you? When I have writer's block, you mean? Mm-hmm. <laughs> Put something on the page. Mm-hmm. That blank page is what paralyzes people. And, and that's why everything I do, everything I do starts with research. Mm-hmm. And it used to be just me doing the research. And so I've got a methodology for that, right? Mm-hmm. Now I have research assistants that help with this as well. So I have a methodology for the research, which is part of the broader methodology of Um, content writing for me. But that research gives me something to put on the page, even if I'm just clipping copy from a blog post that's intriguing or that has a stat that I want and I put it in a document as a resource, there's words on the page. Now, I'm opening up a fresh page and writing fresh words, of course. But just having words on the page, even just having clips of research on the page it gives your brain something to kind of dig into and it gives you traction is what Mm -hmm. it does. We talked about this before the show where we go down the rabbit hole on some of these questions. (laughs) We were just down the rabbit hole on that one. I think. (laughs) What is the best allocation either of time or initiative that has helped your company most and why? I joined the first cohort of the copywriter mastermind with Joanna Weeb at copy hackers. Mm -hmm. It was the first mastermind she ever launched And it was a huge investment of uh, money and time for me at the time. This was a few years ago. But the community that I met, the people that I met, 
the connections that I made in that mastermind, they changed everything for me. And in fact, I'd say 90% of us in that mastermind became so close that after the mastermind ended, we, we kind of created our own little group, our own little mastermind, uh, just to stay in touch. We have a, a Slack team that we, oh, nice. we use to, to keep in touch with each other. And, and we've really just even grown closer over the years. And that's, that's my copywriter mastermind today. I literally talk to them every single day. You know, we, we send referrals to each other. We ask each other questions. We run copy by each other. We, um, we talk about our lives. It's just, they're, they're my tribe, I guess. You know, I think about the mastermind approach and I think that, um, what is it? Uh, think and grow rich. They were talking about the power mm, of the mastermind. Yeah, it's it's very powerful, but not every mastermind is going to be perfect. No, you know, and and I've done several, but that one is the one that had the biggest impact on me. Super. What is your most unusual habit, or what others may consider out of the ordinary, that has helped you or your company most, and why? I track my time. I mean, down to the minute. I track all of my work time. I use a tool called Toggle. T-O-G-G-L, I think that's how it's spelled. And I don't bill by the hour. I, I bill at a project rate. So it might sound a little weird that I, I keep track of every minute of my work day, but it's it's been life-changing because I'm seeing for real how much time I'm spending on projects with clients in my inbox, in social media. It gives me a crystal clear view of what's taking up my time. You know, you you might think, oh, well, you know, I didn't spend that much time trolling through Facebook today. And then you look at the time, if you're tracking your time, you look at the time you spent and you realize, oh my gosh, as an hour of my day, I was playing around on Facebook that I could have gotten that client project done, you know? And same thing with just looking at how I'm spending my time with clients. I see which clients are taking up the most of my time. Mm-hmm. Uh, which clients I've really gotten into a groove with. And so I'm able to be much more efficient with my time working on their projects. And it just, it gives you a big dose of reality. (laughs) With that knowledge, what was the biggest change in your behavior that you put in place after knowing what you were doing with your time? (laughs) Um, Not spending time on social media was a huge one for me. I actually took Facebook off my phone. Because I realized that I, even though I told myself I was in there on business, I was in different groups interacting, and that wasn't the truth. When I actually tracked my time, that was not the truth. And there's very little to no ROI for me in social media. That's not how I make my sales. That's Mm -hmm. not how I really build relationships. So uh, that was an eye-opener for me. And I, like I said, took Facebook off my phone. It's been amazing. <laughs> I love it. I never want to put it back on my phone again. And then also um, how much time I was spending in my inbox, especially responding to leads and prospects, people mm-hmm. who have not paid me a dime yet, seeing how much time I was spending on them really gave me an insight into my sales process and insight to uh, places where I might be able to be more efficient. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. That's, you know, time use. That's awesome. <laughs> yeah. T-O-G-G-L, right? Yep. Toggle. Mm-hmm. All right. Over the past three years, let's see, we already did that one, didn't we? Yeah, we did. 
No. Over the past no? three years, <laughs> what belief or protocol have you established <clears throat> in your company that has most impacted you or your company's success and why? Sure. Yeah, that's a good one, actually. Communicate early and often. I think that in the, the service provider world, there is this terrible and well-earned reputation for service providers taking your money and then dropping off the face of the planet. Mm -hmm. And I've been on the receiving end of that. I've hired service providers to do work for me and my company, and they've taken my money and dropped off the face of the planet. And it's just the worst feeling in the world. And I've always been a really good communicator. I've always been very organized, very good with time management, but um, I've actually made communication one of the top values in my company because of this. Because there, there's just too many service providers out there who don't communicate well. And it's one of the things that my clients mention to me most often is how well I communicate. I let them know where I'm at with a project. I don't just say, okay, you know, I'll have the white paper written for you in a month. And then weeks go by and they don't hear from me. I'm checking in. I'm checking in once a week at least saying, hey, here's where I'm at. Mm -hmm. um, and you know, asking questions if I need to ask questions and setting new expectations and saying, hey, I'm still on target for the deadline or, hey, it looks like I might get this to you early. I never miss a deadline. That's another huge value of mine. But that communication, it just really, it puts the client's minds at ease. Were you always that way? I've always been that way. Okay. Yeah. And I always thought it was funny that people mentioned it to me like it was some strange thing but again having hired people myself now i see it is a strange thing <laughs> well you know after you get mad enough you go i don't want to ever do that to a customer yeah then that's yeah mm -hmm. i always find this interesting what advice would you offer to a new ceo that is assuming the role of ceo for the first time and why yeah i think we're going to come back to ego here <laughs> yeah yeah um you know, when you become a CEO, it's not all about you anymore. You have to put your customers and your employees first. And in marketing, that that can be kind of a challenge because your website, your marketing content might start to sound less like you. Your voice might not be so prominent anymore. But when you're the CEO of a company and you actually want your company to be successful and you want to make sales, it's a good thing. It's a good transition to start sounding a little more like your customers and a little less like you in your marketing content. Again, I'm not saying take your authority out at all, but I am saying take your ego out and, and really put your customers and your employees first in everything you do, especially when it comes to your marketing content. Which is back to listening again. <laughs> What are the most common misconceptions about you or your role as CEO? As a CEO who is also still an individual contributor, <laughs> there's probably two misconceptions, actually. One, that I'm still doing all of the writing, and the other is that I'm doing none of the writing, <laughs> neither of which is true. Mm -hmm. Every asset that my company produces is a team effort. I've cherry-picked the best of the best researchers, editors, writers to come alongside me and collaborate with me to create the best of the best content for my company. So it's, yeah. It's hard to be the best at everything. It is. It absolutely is. And even when you kind of do think you're the best at everything, getting that outside perspective is still so extremely valuable. You know, my team 
finds things and sees things and writes things that I might not have. Yeah, their, their perspective is theirs. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Especially in the research. That's been the most eye-opening. I thought I was really good at research. And I am. I'm really good at research. But having research assistants now, I realize that there's it, it adds – it almost makes the research three-dimensional. Wisdom you know, adds, of the crowd. Yeah. yeah. They find things. They see things. They make connections that I might not have. And it's really exciting. Yeah, I, I would resonate <laughs> with that. Uh, looking back over the past three years, what would or should you have said no to and why? There are definitely some clients I should have said no to. I, I'm very I'm very particular about who I work with. I have to be excited about the company. I have to be excited about the client. I have to feel good. There has to be an emotional connection there for me. And I'm really good at spotting red flags. I'm really good at, at just in the initial conversations, especially getting that feeling like, eh, this is going to go sideways. But there have been a couple of occasions where my soft heart got the better of me. And mm. I said yes to projects I probably shouldn't have. And it was not fun. <laughs> what would be a red flag for you? Um, you know, there, there's a lot of red flags. Mm -hmm. And and. I don't want to like. I don't want to get too specific because I don't want. No, my, I don't, I don't yeah. want clients like listening into this and thinking, "Oh my God, I did that or I said that." But um, I, I can spot a misalignment pretty quickly in goals, in process. Yeah. There, one of the biggest red flags for me that comes up a lot, and I can say this because I would never work with a client who did this to me. Um, you know, I do have a methodology, and I do. It's it's very robust and it's data centric. If somebody says to me on the phone, well, you know, I don't, I don't need all that research done. I just need website copy or I just need a blog post written. Just put words on a page. Red flag. Mm -hmm. I'm not interested in putting words on a page. That doesn't do anything for your company. That doesn't do anything for my company. I want to make sure that whatever I do for you is actually moving the needle toward your business goals. So that would be a huge red flag for me where they don't have any, any respect for the process, any respect for, for the, um, the data and the measurement especially. In the day-to-day -day operation of your company as CEO, what is your personal habit or self-talk dialogue that keeps you and your company focused? I talk to my, my team about this a lot, actually, and it's focus on the mastery and take your ego out of it. Mm -hmm. The better you get at what you do, the more you build your skills, the more you, you learn from the projects you've worked on so you can iterate for future projects and future clients, the better you can serve your clients. Okay. So focus on the mastery, get better at what you do, ignore what everybody else is doing, take your ego out of it, mm -hmm. <laughs> and just master the craft. And that sounds like a small thing. It's a lifelong thing. That is not, and you know, and along with the craft as people change. Mm-hmm. You know, because the copy now looks different than copy, you know, like the it blue does. blocker copy of years ago, <laughs> much different than that. Mm. <laughs> you know, if colleagues were asked what you're best at, what would they say? And how do you utilize this superpower strength on a day-to-day -day basis? What are you best at? <laughs> My team would probably say um, organization and processes. Okay. I'm really good at... Especially because what we do comes across as such a creative thing. Mm -hmm. It's really not. There's a little bit of creativity involved, but there's a lot of process. There's a lot of research. 
and structuring and you know, step one, step two, step three, making sure we hit these milestones to get to the end goal. And especially uh, one of the ladies who works with me a lot, she's just blown away that I can tell her exactly what to expect on her plate for the next month because I've got everything nailed down. I know what clients we're working with, what projects we're working on, how those projects are gonna play out, what steps we need to take to produce that asset, and what exactly I'm gonna need from all my team members in order to do this. And she, she'd never worked like that before. It was always you know, a client saying, well, okay, I need a blog post. Uh, can you get it to me next week? Okay, that's not how I work. Mm-hmm. <laughs> at all we you know we have a path we follow we have structures well i tell you it's it's been a lot of fun <laughs> you, you know and, and you know it feels like you know on the questions that that i have a particular agenda and i don't what i'm looking for is wisdom that you've earned in a very hard way and spent a lot of money and a lot of time and effort to get there and the idea behind the questions are to try to take and share that wisdom and record that wisdom and so I can't tell you how much I appreciate you taking the time. Hey, this has been a great interview for me. I mean, I love talking about this stuff. So it's it's <laughs> very apparent. And, you know, I like process and systems because it's something you can lean into. Yeah. You know, I, I can mm-hmm. see the future. Yep. I'm organized and prepare I, my team. And the team likes it too. Mm-hmm. Well, thank you again, Jessica, thank for taking you. your time. This was great. Thanks so much. You bet.